0: At, at the mention of his name the demons must flee Father I pray that as we live our lives to honor you to glorify your name that you'd be exalted that you'd be lifted up Father, be with us today as we look into your word. Would you help us? Would you help us, Lord, to bring honor and glory to your name? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Take your seats. The ushers are going to come at this time to receive the offering. Kids are dismissed, Pastor Catherine and Charlene are waiting there for you. Kids, you feel free to go, have fun. You know, at LGF, we don't ask the kids to go away because they make noise. I actually like the noise they make. In that one song, it just seems like so appropriate. The only little one is like, yeah, I was like, well, this is good. It kind of fit right in, you know. But we, we, ha- we have a class specially for them so they can learn at their level of understanding. So it's not about anything that, other than we want them to be able to learn and to grow, where they are with the Lord. God bless you. Last week was Mother's Day, and I hope that you all blessed your mothers. And uh, chatted with my mother. Well, she was chatty last week. You know, and we just had a good conversation. This morning we're going to continue on in our series of life, in the sp- or spirit life, and really my hope and desire is as we go through this uh, series of sermons that we understand what Holy Spirit is all about. Sometimes we catch on to one aspect of it and we're not sure what to do with that, uh, but my hope and prayer is this, is that we would understand that the Spirit wants to be part of every part of our life not just the things that we think of often. And so the message this morning, we're going to look at abundance and absence. In that early church, they ran around with an abundance of, of, you know, claiming spiritual gifts and, you know, trying to use spiritual gifts. But they had an absence of love. You know, it's almost like I've got something new and I want to show you, but I don't care if I step over you and I don't care if it pushes you aside. I want you to see my new gift that I got. God help us. We are a Pentecostal church. We believe that the gifts of the Spirit are for today. But the gifts need to come with the understanding that love needs to be primary. Because without love, we're we're really nothing. Without love, we're really nothing. Without love, the gifts of the Spirit might give the appearance of something spectacular. You know, I don't want us to ever be a church that looks like everything is amazing and nothing really is. They might help our church sound spectacular. It might help us to think that we are spiritually mature. But underneath, there might not be any real power at all. It's like having the nicest old car. You know, I, one of these days, who knows when. Right now, my the car if I have a car, it would be about that big. You know, like a fancy car. But it's like having the nicest car in the world and no motor. It's like, well, this goes real good. Can you imagine how fast this car You don't even know what this car can do. Sometimes the spiritual gifts are like that. We have the appearance that something can happen, but we have no real power. You see, because love needs to be there. Well, people can be attracted to spectacular, and often people are. Especially the spectacular with with the things of the Spirit. It's only when we operate in those gifts with love that they create a real benefit. Forgive my voice this morning. The most essential ministry of the Holy Spirit is that of love is the very fruit of the Holy Spirit, according to Paul in Galatians 5.22, that is essential to the power of the gospel. You see, my prayer is this as your pastor, is that God would help us not only to be a gifted church, but to be a loving church. That we would, it wouldn't be one or the other. That we would be known for our love far more than we're known for our gifts. Do I want the gifts of the Spirit in operation? 100% true, yes. But I want us to be known as a loving church that has the gifts of the Spirit in operation, not the other way around. No, I don't want people to say, well, they're a spectacular church. Man, you should see what God is doing, but they're kind of rude and ignorant. That would be a horrible testimony. The Bible teaches us that The central ministry of the Holy Spirit is the ministry of love. And the church is called to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit as the foundation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Love's priority. In 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 31, in the second half of that, Paul, in writing these words, he says, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. If you are thinking of that word or those words, it kind of sounds like an old movie, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. They use that word often. I don't remember the movie. I maybe watched two minutes of it. But it just sounded like something they said back in those days. But I don't know about you, but if somebody said, I'm going to show you something more excellent, it's like, oh, well, we kind of just had this, Spiritual stuff going on now. Now, you're going to show me something better than that? Yeah. It was intended to guide this very gifted church into a healthy balance between gifts and love. You see, without love, the gifts are meaningless. Without love, the gifts are meaningless. Without love, sorry, with love, however, the gifts have greater meaning. The most excellent way is the way of love. It's it's the topic of the entire chapter 13. While the gifts are often momentary or temporary, love is the foundation of the Christian life at all times. Love isn't just to be something we have. For some people, it isn't supposed to be just there for the moment. Like if you have the gift of healing and nobody's sick, it's like, well, I guess I don't do anything. But if you have love flowing through you, then that should always be there. It shouldn't be like, well, I don't have to love today. That should always be in our lives. That should always be part of who we are. Nothing is superior to love. It's the very foundation of God's nature, and this includes the Holy Spirit as well. What moved the hand of God to save us? It was his love. It was his love. The fruit of the Spirit is superior to the gifts in terms of impact. However, the ideal is to have both. But gifts without fruit is meaningless. Even Jesus said that nothing is more important than love. Jesus said that love would be the hallmark of Christianity. It would be how the world would identify us as Christ's disciples. He said this in John 13 and verse 35. says this, By this all men shall know that you are my disciples, that you love one another, what does that look like? How do you love one another? Well, that's a hard question, isn't it? Cuz when we look at love, we think, well, that person gets on my nerves. You don't please don't look over at them. You know, they cause me grief. You know, we have—that's the world we live in. Not everything is perfect, but oh, love overlooks those things. There are people that are definitely grate on our nerves, but love overlooks that. Love says, "You know what? It doesn't matter about your personality and my personality, whether they clash or get along. I still love you." Love mows the heart more than anything else. In 1 Corinthians 13 and verses 1 to 3. It says if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give my body over to the hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Wow. Paul launches into the problem facing this very gifted church. There was a great abundance of gifts. In fact, if we were to look at them today, we'd say, we want to be a church just like that. We want to have all of these charismatic things happening. We want to have all these gifts happening. And Paul says, you know what? You can have all of those things, but if you don't have love, you're just making noise. They had the great abundance of gifts and the great absence of love. They were right to promote the gifts, but not at the expense of love. They used the gifts to promote spiritual pride instead of humility. And the result was a very competitive church. You see, when God looks at you and when he looks at me, and if you have a spiritual gift, he doesn't look at you higher. And if you have a spiritual gift that may be quieter one, maybe just a gift of administration, which is listed in the spiritual gifts, but not as vocal as some of the other ones, he doesn't say, well, you're on this level and you're over on this level. No. God doesn't look at us like that. He looks at us and says, do you have love? And only you can know that answer. Do you have love in your heart? Do you love the church? Do you love others? Do you love the church like I love the church? You see, this church was only relying on the gifts. They're saying, we want to be just a gifted church. Oh, it would be nice to be a gifted church, but not at the expense of love. They're relying on, on, on that. Their witness was beginning to suffer in the community. All the gifts in the world, all the gifts in the world will not win the lost. Will not tell those who are apart from Christ that they need to come to Christ. You can have all the gifts, but if you don't have love, you have nothing. Nothing is more important and no more powerful than love. The healthiest of churches are ones that have a balance, where they have a balance between loving and being gifted. It's not impossible to have a good church that is gifted and not loving, however. You can't have a good church that's just full of gifts and not be loving. It's impossible. Even if a church had all the great gifts like tongues but had no love, they'd be just making noise. clanging gongs and cymbals. If We didn't have this plastic around the drums. I would let you hear what that sounds like as I play it, right? Not as somebody who knows what they're doing. Because if I bang that drum, you're going to say, good thing the pastor's not the drummer. The interesting thing about the clanging gongs and those cymbals, they were familiar with those sounds. Those were sounds that they heard in their community. Those were sounds that would be used to draw people out to temples. One temple to Dioconus, and another one to Sebel. And then Dioconus was the god of revelry in ecstasy, the God of wine, who knew that? And Sybil was the God of nature. Just loud gongs and clanging cymbals, calling people to worship something dead, something not alive, it really meant nothing. Because if I go and bang the symbol and I tell you, this is for the God of wine, you're like, you're a bit crazy. Like, I didn't, like, hello. we Bang the one for the God of coffee. You know, like, it doesn't make sense. And so Paul's saying, you know, if you're just making noise, it has no life to it. So Paul looks at this church in Corinthians and he says, you know, you're just ignoring love. You're just all built up on on things that people can hear and see, but in the middle of your heart, there's no love. They're just empty practices then. There can be no ministry without love. Notice how at the end of verse two, he says, I am nothing. Can we put that verse back up there potentially? Yeah. Paul says, I am nothing. He says, I'm nothing. Not he didn't say I have nothing. But he says, I'm nothing. It, really, nothing come from me. There's nothing there. They bragged about all the gifts, but Paul says, they are nothing without love. They're just making noise. They're just making noise. And I tried to find a picture of noise. And I found it. Because remember, you some of you remember if you're my age. Those of you who are younger, there was a time when TV went off. Right? Like there was a time, if you stayed up late enough, there was a time where it just went shh. I was like, okay, I better go to bed. (laughs) It was like the twelve o'clock alarm. You know, and then you usually some color bars go on the screen, and then right, some of you nine years like I remember those days. Now you can watch shopping channel at two o'clock in the morning. But there was a time when it just made noise. That's what Paul says. Paul says in your life, if you don't know Christ, if you don't have love there, you're just noisy. You're just making noise. Even the most powerful gifts are without meaning if they're absent of love. Love needs to be a priority in the church. And you're saying, how do I get more of that? That you can pray for. You can say, God, may I get more love. May you give me love. May you help me to love. Will you teach me how to love? Will you show me how to love those that I find hard to love? Because we all have them in our life, don't we? There's somebody just kind of like, oh. We live in a a townhouse condo. I'm loving my neighbors more today than I did earlier on. I think some bangs on the wall kind of helped. You could see when there's times when you're tired and all you can hear is the neighbor's noise. Jesus, I don't know if I love them right now. I want to go and cut their power. But God give me love. Makes you get along quite well. But you see, sometimes love is just, it doesn't just fall from the sky and like, I love you now. You know, I can, if I just meet you for the very first time, well, that's a nice person. But who knows? You might say the same about me, but after the second or third time, you're like, man, that guy is annoying. Kind of grates on my nerves. God, give me some love for. I say the same thing. God, give me some love. Help me to love as you love. Help me to look past the things that I'm comfortable with. God, help me to love and just forget about the the things around. There was a a man this, yeah, it was this week, on Monday, he was on the sidewalk of the church We drove up, and he had taken some fentanyl. And I'm like, I don't know if this guy's alive or dead or what. And there was some people around him that apparently they robbed him while he was in that state. And he was passed out. I I called the police because I was like, "I I don't know what. If he's dead, what do I do? I guess I could pray for the dead to rise, but I didn't know. And so they came and they got this individual up and they got him some care. So if you drove by the church and you saw police cars and an ambulance, that's what it was. And I just thought, you know what? What would Jesus do? I didn't try to be ignorant to this guy. I didn't try to, I, But for the grace of God. And later on, I didn't even know. He came in yesterday and wrote a thank you note. Hey, thank you for for just talking to me. Thank you for just showing me care. I'm like, I, I just treated him like Jesus would. You know, sometimes we see people in a difficult circumstance and we can turn our nose. Can't we? God, help us to love that even when it doesn't look like somebody we would normally get along with. God placed love within us that we might care for those who don't feel like they fit or belong. It's easy to love somebody who looks like you, smells like you, talks like you. It's another thing to love somebody who looks different, has a different lifestyle. God, help us to love everyone. That doesn't mean you have to love or be happy with what they do, but help us to be loving. Love needs to be a priority in this church. You see, because love has power. Love has power to change lives. It was love's power that changed my life. It was love's power that changed your life. Love has power. In 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 to 7, it says love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or or boast, it is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Paul now begins to describe God's love, the kind the Corinthian believers needed in their church the kind that all Christians need today. He starts by describing how patient love is. It is kind. That's not envy, not self-seeking. God's love is emptying. It's putting aside our personal desires for the other person's benefit. It's seeking the other person's best interest. Did you know love can change any situation? It's not just a feeling. Love is an action. You'll notice from Paul's description concerning God, God's kind of love there are no references to feelings or emotions just actions you know i meet people that say well uh, i fell in love you might have used that phrase you can't fall in love you can learn to love you know cuz it's not a feeling it's 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 not just something well I feel really good because what about happens when the day you don't feel real good? Well, now I fell out of love. Right? That's how we use it sometimes, right? It's how I feel. No, love isn't a feeling. Love is an action. It's, it's got to go beyond just the fuzzies in my heart. My wife and I have been married for 31 years. You know, there's days... I'm sure my wife, not me, I mean, my goodness. There's days where it's like, I, I have a hard time loving me. I don't even know how she could love me. It's being truthful. There's days when it's hard for me to love me. And I'm like, I don't know how she can love me. Because love's not a feeling. Because if it was, then the moment that I'm angry, it's like, well, I don't, it's got to go beyond that. It's got to go beyond just how I feel. It's got to go beyond my emotions. I'm not saying there's not emotions and feelings tied into it, but it's got to go beyond that. So Paul doesn't tell us what love does, or he tells us rather what love does, not how love feels. We do wise to keep that in our minds. How love feels what love does, not how it feels. In this list, it's obvious that love does not seek its own way. It is self-emptying. Unselfish love is hard to resist. It has great power. That is why God is hard to resist. Because he sent his only son to die for you and for me. And if we look at that and say, God loved me that much. God loved you so much that He sent His only Son to die for your sin. Wow. Because see, if God's love was based on feeling, He'd be like, mm, "No, they're on their own." But God's love wasn't based on feelings. He looked at us in needing a Savior. He didn't say, well, these people are so hungry for me. No, he loved us even while we were enemies of him. Even while we wanted nothing to do with Christ, he still died for us. Those that nailed him to the cross, he loved them. In fact, he even said those words, Father, forgive them. You see, love Oh my goodness, when we have love, it's it's so much more than just everything else. When we realize the kind of love that God has for us, it's hard for us to resist it. In 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 13, verses 8 to 10, and then also down at verse 13, it says this, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Verse 13 says, so now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is love. You see, love doesn't end. God's love for you and for me, it does not end. You cannot get to the end of God's love. You cannot say, God, I don't know how you can love me. God has not stopped loving you, and He's never will. He loves you. God loves you. And, and because of his love for us, that should cause us to say, God, I'm so grateful. May I em- may I emulate that in how I live. May I show that love in the way I conduct myself. All of these gifts that are listed in Scripture they help the church, and they'll not be per- they'll not be necessary when we are in heaven, because the church will be perfect at that moment. However, even in perfection, love is still the foundational quality of life. Have the gifts passed away? No. We need God's gifts. We need the gifts of the Spirit in order to minister as God has called us to. But the gifts cannot be there at the expense of love. Otherwise, we're just making noise. You see, Paul states that love will go on even long after the gifts have ceased one of these days when we get the glory. And therefore, it's obvious and more important is that God's love can change things forever. Paul now explains that even in prophecy, the gifts which reveal things to us, they'll never really reveal everything fully. He says, for now we prophesy in part because we see just in part. We don't see everything. We don't know everything. You see, we... God hasn't revealed everything to us because I don't think we can comprehend everything. When we get to glory, though, you ever have that conversation with yourself? Now, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God this. Right? And people have a list. This is the first thing. You know what? When we get to heaven, you're going to know all things. You say, oh, there goes my list. You're not going to say, God, why is the sky blue? Why is the grass green? For those of you who aren't color impaired, we're going to know those things. Hey, God, what happened with the platypus? You know, is it a duck? Is it a, you know, what it you're gonna know those things. We, we are so limited. But one of these days when we get the glory, even with our own lives, we're so limited. But God says, you know what? One of these days you'll know all things when you get the glory, when you're with me in heaven. So we live right now even with prophecy that only can tell us a small part. Because the gifts have limits. Did you know that every person that was raised from the dead in the Bible died? Every person that was ever raised from the dead in the Bible died. Eventually. Like, the gifts have limits. But love does what knowledge cannot do. And there's no limits for love. In 1 Corinthians 11, or 13, verses 11 and 12, it says this. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall, fully know, shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Paul describes what it means to mature in love, as what love does in us. He says, when I was a man, I put away childish things. It indicates an act of will and cooperation on his part. In, in the writing of this, he, he says it's an act. A, a conscious act of putting aside the things that are, are not helping him to mature. He says, now that I'm a man, I, I a woman, I, I reason differently, I think differently. There should be some maturity in us. There should be some observable changes that have taken place in our lives. Love cannot just be words." We're talking with my, my wife, and I were having a conversation the other day. I said, You know, honey, I love you. I said, The first girl that I married, you're saying, What? No, oh, that was grade four in recess. <laughs> By the end of recess, we were, she was already moved on. Because sometimes we just throw things out flippantly, don't we? And we just throw out words. Now, as a man, as someone who's put away childish things, love is different, isn't it? Love has more meaning to it, doesn't it? And that's how love should be in the church. It should be, you know what? I I want to just not throw out words that sound good. I want it to be a real change. I I don't want just words. I want actions. The kids, I can. Love is not just taught with words, but with deeds. Paul says, right now, we just see a poor reflection in a mirror. It has to do with how imperfect our understanding is about things, and yet how perfect love can be. Mirrors were famous in the Corinthian. Uh, community, but only the rich could afford ones that were well-polished. And there weren't even the mirrors like you and I have today. They were like looking in the bottom of your pots and pans, and I'm like, I think I look okay. You know, it's a good thing nobody had cell phones and taking pictures of everything back then. We didn't never let that happen. So we only got a poor reflection. One of these days. One of these days, we'll have the ultimate reflection. We'll get to see our King and our Lord clearly. You see, gifts and knowledge only offer a murky glimpse of reality. But love conquers all. Where words fail to communicate, love actions can. So even though I may not say to you as your pastor, I love and care for you, Hopefully, the way in which I conduct myself shows you that I love and care about you. And I do as your pastor. The evidence of love in a church will help others receive the evidence of the gifts as well. As we come close to a close this morning, the worship team can come back. The Bible declares that God is love. Therefore, it's a central attribute of the Holy Spirit is also love. In Galatians 5 and 22, Paul goes as far to say that love is the very fruit of the Spirit. Nothing the Holy Spirit does, therefore is done without love being at the very core. Nothing the Holy Spirit does, therefore is done without love being at the very core of it. As we go on in this series, we're going to talk about some of the gifts of the Spirit. But we need to understand that love has to be central. So when we get to some of the gifts, you're going to say, yeah, we we need that in the church. Yeah, we could use that in church. Absolutely, we need the gifts of the Spirit in the church. But they have to foundationally be done with love. And so love needs to be primary. So that's why we're, we're building up so that when we get there, it's like, okay, I can understand these gifts because they're done in love. If we do them outside of love, we're just making noise. And I don't know about you. I'm not interested in just making noise. I want the gifts of the Spirit done with love so that actual change happens. If you're new to this whole Pentecostal things and the gifts of the Spirit, you can read Scripture. Everything that we're going to talk about is based on the Word of God. I'm not bringing in some author says this and some author says that. There's good authors out there, absolutely. But we need to know what God's Word says about it. You can read other authors. Go ahead. I'm not opposed to that. But we need to know what the ultimate author says about it. Amen? We are a Pentecostal church, if you didn't know. And we need to be a church that's filled with love and the gifts. Amen? This morning, I know that some of you maybe need prayer. My wife is home today. She's got bronchitis. She's been coughing like crazy. And not sleeping very well as a result.
1: I know there's others at home
0: as well that probably aren't feeling well. And you pray that God would touch them and minister to their bodies as well. But maybe you've come this morning and you need prayer. Maybe you need prayer in your life. I'm going to invite you to come to the front this morning. I'm not the healer, but I'll pray for healing. God is the healer. God is the healer. I'm not the one who can bring peace to your circumstance, but I can pray for peace to come. And he's the one who gives peace. Whatever need you might have this morning, if you'd like somebody to pray with you and for you, you're welcome to join me here at the front. If you need to leave, may God bless you as you go. Just a reminder, Pastor Cassidy needed some help pulling up the bouncy castles for Tuesday. They could be pulled out of the back room. That would help her.